Welcome again to the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and this recording is going to be based on a passage you are likely familiar with. Please open your New Testament to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. This is one of the most read passages in all the Bible, and there's no wondering why as soon as you hear it again. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith Hope and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. There is so much study we could pursue with this beautiful, perfect passage where God is telling us the kind of love we should have, and that should be exhibited in all our conduct. It is essential. It is simply defined. Paul says love is the greatest. Every single person listening to this recording needs to hear this, study this, and return to this passage often to clarify our concepts of true biblical love, then internalize this teaching that it may purify all our conduct before God. There is one part of this we're going to concentrate on in this recording, the final verse. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I want to talk to you about that. And I want to start with this word abide. In the New King James, now abide faith, hope, and love. In the New International Version, these three remain This has to do with permanence. 
Here's what happened in the church at Corinth. In the time when the gospel was being preached by the apostles before there was a full circulated written record, God used various miraculous gifts to spread the gospel and to edify the saints. These gifts were not to glorify the person. They were not to be instruments of competition or entertainment or vanity or pride. Gifts like speaking in tongues were temporary measures to equip disciples in the initial years of evangelism. In the church at Corinth, these gifts were misunderstood and not used properly. So Paul needed to tell them the gifts are temporary. You can read this here in 1 Corinthians 13 at verse 8. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Paul is describing those spiritual gifts God gave to certain individuals in that era, and he is stressing they are temporary. Well, what is permanent? If those gifts are temporary, Paul, what is permanent? What would survive the apostolic age? Faith, hope, and love. Direct knowledge imparted to inspired men, prophecies, and tongues would cease. In contrast to the temporary, there is faith, hope, and love. They abide. They remain. You see, this has to do with permanence. And so today, as a Christian, there is no spiritual value in speaking in tongues. I should not presume or claim that I am a prophet, nor should I think I have direct knowledge, like the inspired men who wrote the New Testament. What I must be concerned about is the permanent faith, hope, and love. So let's concentrate first on faith. Faith is not belief without proof. It is trust without reservation. Faith is not something you just suddenly have without thought or effort. It is not, as many say, a leap into the dark, absent evidence or basis. It is a trust you have found by a process of applying your mind to what God has given. So it is rational, it is reasonable, it is intelligent, and it really makes good sense. When you look around in the natural world and you decide there is a creator, then as you read the message the creator gave, the Bible, you learn of Jesus Christ, and it all comes together. As you become honestly engaged in that spiritually healthy process, and you see that the message makes sense, it is credible, there is evidence. What's happening is you are using the mind God gave you to receive the evidence God has given you to his glory and for your good. God has provided abundant evidence of his existence, his glory, and his authority, and has given us instruction about our response to him. When you open your mind to that, you're becoming a believer. And you can say, my faith came from my reception of what God gave. 
the evidence in nature, the instruction in his word. It was not something that happened to me in some sort of random way. It was not something imposed upon me or you against my will or your will. You opened your mind. You searched for truth and found it from the Creator. And in that process of will and initiative, God is reaching us. He's putting us in contact with evidence and instruction and motivation, and we become a believer. That's faith. So the Bible says that with your heart you believe, and that faith enables you to be righteous. Romans 10, verse 10. Your heart is not the physical organ that pumps blood here. The heart the Bible talks about is the inner part of you that thinks, wills, desires, repents, and responds to the Creator. Paul is telling us in Romans 10, verse 10, with the heart we believe to righteousness. As I become a believer in God, reading His Word, following Christ, responding, there is an unreserved trust that takes me away from sin toward God and righteousness in heaven. Faith is not belief without proof. It is trust without reservation. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, and without faith it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Let me ask us this. Is our faith increasing or diminishing? The answer to that depends upon our consistent contact with God's word. That's how faith is born and generated and increased, hearing and trusting, learning and doing, growing in knowledge and using what you learn. That brings to pass an increase of our faith. So faith is first in this statement in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Hope is next, and hope is really a product of faith. Hope, based on faith, inspires your confidence in future reward, giving reality to the promises you embrace by faith. I am certain of God's existence. I am certain about the historical facts of the birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe in the sufficiency and the authority of the scriptures. Therefore, I have hope. As I read the promises of God, I embrace those and consider them real. Though the promises have not been fulfilled yet, because of my faith, I know the promises will come to pass. I have a friend who often says about hope, hope is that which reaches off into the future and attaches itself to what we desire and expect to receive. For example, because of our faith, we desire and expect to receive a home with God in heaven. Hope is that emotion we have and that motive we have, knowing that the promise of heaven for the faithful is true and that we will be with God. The faithful in Christ will have that ultimate gift. Hope gives us joy, stability, endurance, and patience. Hope is a product of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith 
stands under us in such a powerful way, we believe in all the good things God has said will happen in the future, heaven in particular. It is real to obedient believers. With faith, we are trusting God, believing his word, based on the evidence we process that God gave. Therefore, we have hope. And in all our relationships, what becomes possible then is love. And what is love? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It was in the 1970s, and I do not remember who taught me this, but I have since considered this a highly effective study tool, and I remember times when this was such a useful exercise. Read this passage, and for maximum personal impact, insert, instead of the word love, your own name. It will be very hard to do, but can be very beneficial. It can take you to healthy self-examination. Read verses 4 through 7 in 1 Corinthians 13 and put your name where the word love is. It's going to sound funny or odd or awkward, and that's going to tell you something. Warren suffers long and is kind. (laughs) You may put a question mark there. If that doesn't sound credible to me, it tells me of work I need to do in my heart and my life based on my faith and my hope. If we will use the word of God to guide us and nurture within us this love, if we will form these habits and be devoted to these behaviors of love, there will be visible and pleasing benefits in every relationship. In your relationship with your parents, in dealing with your children, in marriage, in relationship with other Christians, even in handling enemies and tragedy and unexpected events. This biblical love can be taken with you and applied, and it equips you in all your relationships, in all your earthly joys and sorrow, and must be active in your life as a disciple of Christ. Teenagers need to learn this and see this in their parents. Parents need to model this kind of love. Old people, young people, middle-aged, this is how love behaves. Once you have faith and hope firmly and actively in hand, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
A very common question comes up about this passage. Why does Paul say that love is the greatest? I'm not going to say when we get to heaven, faith and hope will end. Paul doesn't say that, so I'm not going to say that. I will offer that faith and hope will be very different in the context of heaven, but love will not be different. Faith, to a large extent, will give way to sight and direct experience with deity. Hope will be realized or fulfilled, though we still will be convinced of future good throughout eternity. Faith and hope will find a different, higher level of existence. But the love that we're able to develop now should just continue maturing and being present in our heavenly existence. I want to add this. Don't ever entertain the idea that you can neglect love now, that you can postpone its development and then finally enjoy it in heaven. It is just a wicked lie that Satan would love to see each of us embrace that you can wait on love for later. The idea may be attractive in the world that love neglected now can be love realized eternally, that you can hate now and then love then. No. Whatever spin anyone tries to put on 1 Corinthians 13, it should be vivid. If we want love to be the great thing about heaven with God, then it must be great to us now, as God is great to us now. So great that I could read verses 4 through 7 with my name inserted where the word love is. I want to ask you to take some time in your private devotion to engage in this exercise Examine yourself and pray about your deficiencies that you discover, and let's be certain of our commitment to and our involvement in faith, hope, and love. Thank you for listening.